Hey folks, David with the Barbend Podcast. Today we're bringing you one of the most popular episodes from our archives, and that's with Margot Alvarez, who happens to be one of the most multi-talented strength athletes we've ever met. She's a multi-time CrossFit Games competitor and a long drive competitor, in addition to being a wine entrepreneur. Pretty interesting life she lives, so we hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm obviously honored to go back and compete as a legend, being in the sport since 2011. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's been what nine, I mean, nine years for me. So depending on where you picked up on your CrossFit journey, everyone has a different aspect, but, uh, it's crazy to think nine years has gone by. Welcome to the bar bend podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Margot Alvarez, a multi-time CrossFit Games athlete, wine entrepreneur, golf long drive competitor, and adventurer who's made a name for herself across multiple sports communities. Though Margot is probably best known for her CrossFit Games appearances and time as a CrossFit seminar trainer, she's been pulling double and even triple career duty for years. In today's episode, we chat about Margot's CrossFit competition future, training for long drive tournaments, and how she balances recovery while consuming the finer things in life, including the wine her company produces. Also, I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbed Podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Margot Alvarez, thanks so much for joining us. The first question I got to ask, and it's because I don't really have the best grasp on it right now. Which sports are you training for in 2020? Because it's it's CrossFit, it's long drive competitions, uh, American Ninja Warrior style competitions. I know that's something you've mentioned a passion for in the past. What does your 2020 mm-hmm. look like athletically? Let's just start there. Yeah, it's tough. I would say like D all the above. Um, <laughs> obviously joking, but I still have a train like within the CrossFit methodology. Um, after last year, in terms of team experience, I, I thought, and I was planning on, you know, closing that door and there might be a possibility of, you know, doing a team this year, but it'd be more like fun, maybe not planning to actually compete the games, maybe do a sanctional, uh, with some friends. We'll see. That's kind of up in the air right now, but, um, that's something I think I'm obviously still training for. I love the community of CrossFit and I love people coming together and doing fitness. And so I think being able to do fitness and sweat each day is something that's important to me. Um, the long drive, the golf is something I'm still focusing on. Um, I'm actually just training for something else. I can't really talk about right now. It's an NDA. I know, I know. So hold your breath. Um, but that will be hopefully released here relatively soon. So I can talk about that. But, um, but yeah, I think just, I mean, overall, you know, training. I want to still lift. I want to still get some cardio in. Um, but after this next few weeks, the focus will be, you know, a little bit of CrossFit training, but also move more into golf and focusing on a lot of rotational and individual leg strength. Um, cause the season for long drive actually starts in March. So, so this is something I must've been living under a rock or maybe it's just because I, I knew you for so long as a high level athlete in, in one sport, the long drive competitions, how did you get into that? Do you have a, a golfing background or did you kind of, yeah. Find, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I played golf ever since I was like eight. So from eight to 18, I focused on golf. I, uh, 
competed in high school, did the all state, you know, competitions, everything all that. And in terms of that line and obviously I loved it. It was fun. I think after so many years, I took a little bit of break. I wanted to go to school for it, but the university I went to didn't have a program or a team. So I ended up putting that on the back burner. And then I found out about long drive about two years ago and I was watching, we were watching it on TV and I was like, man, that is pretty cool. Like that looks fun. Like I like golf. And I was like, this is just one swing, one clubs kind of in a way, depending on how many clubs you have. Um, one swing that I really need to focus on. So I was like, you know, let's, I'm a lot stronger than I was years ago. So let me like get back into it or like start practicing. And obviously the swing is different than a traditional swing. Um, there's a lot of focus and power. You want to get a lot more loft. Uh, you really want to get behind the ball to launch it so you can hit it as far as you can. Plus you need to hit it within a certain grid. So um, that was kind of like last year was my first kind of experience with it. And I didn't do as many competitions as I wanted to, but it was a, uh, it was a really cool experience and I'm looking forward to doing more this year. I assume, I mean, like anything in athletics, there become there comes a point where if you're at that elite level and you're training for it, it's frustrating, right? Like CrossFit can be frustrating. Golf can be frustrating. But at least this yeah. way, you don't have to worry about working on your short game, right? You can just kind of let it rip. Yeah, and it's funny because people are like, oh, you know, drive for show, putt for dough. I was like, yeah, but this isn't the same sport. Like there's a full golf where you're playing 18 holes or 72 holes for a tournament, but now we're just focusing on just a long drive. So a lot of accuracy comes in uh, and the rules up until this, this year, it used to be eight balls within three minutes. Now they change it to six balls in that three minutes. So it's like, it's two less balls, two lesses, two less chances to essentially get on the grid. So, accuracy, timing, precision, all that still plays a part. <laughs> well, I got to ask, so it's interesting that there's, I wasn't aware there was that time component. And this is a, this is a total, like, someone who doesn't know anyone asking these questions. So I should have no, totally done fine. more research. But there's this time component. And obviously, you're going for these, like, big, powerful swings for max distance, you know, loft. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost reminds me of doing like a certain number of heavy reps or a certain number of max attempts totally. in like yep. a, in a, in a time frame. I mean, it, do you think your experience with that in the fitness realm helped you here? Yeah, it's, it did a little bit and on the maybe not so much side helping side was the aspect of, you know, cross you like go as fast as possible, as many reps as possible. And so when I first started practicing, you know, hitting those eight balls in three minutes, I would crush it in like a minute and a half, two minutes. I was like, man, I have a whole extra minute. So kind of pacing myself and knowing, all right, like I have so much time or I'm on a lot, you know, like three balls a minute. You have to plan it a little bit better. Now that they change the rules where it's six balls in three minutes, you can again plan for it. But it is, it's very similar to like a max attempt or like sub max attempt, like a snatch or clean and jerk. Um, and it's crazy because the harder you swing, it's a little hard to control the club depending on the shaft and the club that you have and the club face, but you need to be obviously very exact in time frame because by the time that face, the club face fits the ball and it's a little closed, a little open, it could start out great, but then you get it off the grid and it doesn't count. So it's like you almost waste that snatch. It's like catching it, almost standing up with it, and then you lose it. <laughs> so what? if you don't mind me asking, what is your current long drive PR and do you have like a certain yardage in mind that you need to hit this year to hit a certain level of competition? Yeah. So my longest drive is 339 yards. Uh, so that's my PR, my longest drive. I really want to be more consistent at the 350. Um, this past year, Chloe Gardner actually won the world long drive and she hit 341. And the girl who had won it the previous year, Phyllis Metty, she hit 340. 
So it's not necessarily like the longest drive. It's the longest drive at that competition, but I would love to be more consistent at 350. I'd love to eventually hit a 375. I believe Phyllis Meddy, she's, uh, she's been doing this for a good number of years. Her longest drive, I think is 413, like 413 yards. I mean, they, so when you hit the ball, like obviously you get that wherever it lands, but then you get obviously the bounce and roll. Right. And so the longest one out there for a female, as far as I know, is hers, which is 413. So it'd be cool. I think just the competitors means like, oh yeah, like, can I do that? Like, let me see how far I can hit it. But it, it's like, it's like hitting a lift in the gym is not the same as hitting it in competition. It's the same for this exactly. sport. Totally. And when I, my first competition that I did, it was March of last year. And it was in Yucca Valley, California. And I thought it was everyone could go and compete, but it found out when I got there, it was just the men's division. So I, <laughs> I, I went up there and hit with the other men. It was a cool experience, but my nerves and the adrenaline, like as soon as I like, hit that buzzer, it was like, I was in competition across it. I was like, Oh my God, this adrenaline was powering through my body. I like shanked two of the balls right away. I only got one ball on the grid, but you only need one ball. And so I hit 329 at Yucca Valley and I was like, man, my heart was racing. I was so jittery. I was like, all right, I need to practice more this competition because like you said, how you do it in practice and the range at home, so different than, you know, hitting the grid at competition. Well, I never thought I would say this, but I guess the Barbend podcast is now a golf podcast. And we talk about, <laughs> we talk about long drive competitions. That's super interesting. And thank you for sharing that. It's, it's fascinating. Like the shared experiences of being on the competition floor. Like there are those commonalities across different sports. So totally. it's interesting to hear what you've kind of taken from your experience in CrossFit competition, which is significant. You've competed, is it seven games total? Do I have that correct? Yes. Yeah. Seven games, six individual and one team. So yeah. let's talk about the team competition last year, because I remember hearing in early 2019. So this was, yeah, this was about a year ago that mm-hmm. maybe it was a little less than a year ago. It's probably like February, March, 2019, that you had no compl- plans to compete at the CrossFit games in 2019. And then the games roll around and we, you know, summer rolls around. We see you qualifying with Invictus X. We, the games roll around. We see you on the competition floor. So what, what changed your mind? And is that something we might potentially see again? Uh, it's funny. Um, so yeah, so my, in my mind last year, my last individual competition was the Rogue Invitational. And that was an amazing experience. Had a blast being able to be on the competition floor. And it was kind of like, all right, this is my closing of that, you know, in my mindset, you know, maybe team, if that rolls around opportunity came around and an opportunity literally came up that Monday after the competition and the day after I, basically the day after, like literally that Monday. So I can't remember, was it the 18th, 19th, 20th around there? And so in my mind, I was like, all right, you know, like cool opportunity arose. And it was the, the focus was to go to San Diego because we were hopefully going to be getting into a few restaurants down there. So we were going to be doing more business there with the wine. And so I talked to CJ, Hey, you know, we might be in the area if you need help, whether it's pushing the other athletes for training, you know, maybe I can drop and do some classes, get some training in. Um, and the opportunity arose to possibly be a teammate. I was like, okay, well keep me posted on like, if it's really going to happen and who the team would be. And it ended up coming out to be myself, Christy Aramo, uh, Sam Dancing, Sam Dancer, excuse me, and Holden. And I was like, all right, this should be cool. And so we got literally, I think it was that weekend, like that Friday, Thursday, Friday, we got a, you know, a, a short training session with all four of us. And it was pretty much just to get on the one because Sam and Holden had had some experience before being previous team. And I've competed with Christy as an individual. I know her heart and her dedication, who she is as an athlete and the capacity she has. And so it was just all four of us coming together to be in one place. And so that was good. And then the next weekend we went to uh, Minnesota and did the grinding games and, you know, got the qualifying spot to go to the game. So it was like, well, like 
what I was planning and what actually happened for my summer completely changed. But I was grateful for the opportunity. It's like no good deed goes unpunished. You you call you call CJ Martin up. You're like, hey, I'll be in the area if you want me to like help out a little bit. And then like two weeks later, you're on a you're on a plane. You're heading to Minnesota, and you're maybe yeah. not even two weeks later. It's like, oh, you're going back to the CrossFit Games. Well, yeah, what? and it was. I mean, obviously it's tough because as a competitor and I could probably speak, you know, can't speak for everyone, but with our team, it's like you push yourself to be the best version. And on a team, you're thinking, oh, it'd be easier, but it's like, it's not because you don't want to be the weakest link. And at some point you will be the weakest link because not everything's going to favor you. Um, but you're all under understanding like one time, you know, one workout, you might hold the team, the other workout that you might be the weakest link, but it's being under the understanding and we're working with them. Like, being able to communicate with CJ and be with a team and be able to communicate with them was an amazing experience. And the energy was just so good and so positive and obviously great athletes are important, but like being around great people with a good heart and a good soul is even more important because that's, what's going to obviously carry you through all the physical aspects. So in 2020, obviously we, we talked at length longer than I ever thought I'd talk on a barbend podcast about long drive competition, but it was super fascinating. So I'm glad we did it. So training, yeah. training for that. Um, are there any, you mentioned you might do some sanctionals this year. Are there any on your radar? You know, what could, what is in the realm of possibility for a 2020 CrossFit season to you? Not that we're going to necessarily hold you to it, but like, yeah. Yeah, if I do anything, it would probably be um, the West Coast Classic with the team um, that I'm possibly I'm talking with. And I, I don't know; it's not 100. percent So I'm like not gonna like. All right, it's not gonna happen. But it would be that probably the one and only one that I'm doing. I will do the Rogue Invitational this year, but I'm doing it as a legend. And being invited for that was an amazing experience. And yes, even though it's an individual experience, it's different than it will be in terms of the individual competition as you're for a spot this summer in Madison. So I'm obviously honored to go back and compete as a legend being in the sport since 2011. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's been what nine, I mean, nine years for me. So depending on where you picked up on your CrossFit journey, everyone has a different aspect, but uh, it's crazy to think nine years has gone by, but you know, again, not having any focusing on going to the games 2020. And if I go there, my mindset's actually to go there in a different format. So I wouldn't be competing. You would be in a different role. Well, one role I've seen you play more and more is that of broadcaster. And I know that at the <laughs> at the Arnold, I was going to bring it up. Of course I had to. At, at the Arnold Santa Monica Strongman Competition, we're recording this in, this might not come out for a bit. We're recording this in January 2019, 2020. Whew, wow. I'm still getting I know, used to that. I know. <laughs> it's hard. It was just a couple weeks ago, uh, not even a couple weeks ago, you were a, a guest color commentator at the Arnold Strongman Santa Monica. So mm-hmm. from CrossFit, games competitor to long drive competitor to strongman color commentator. How did that come about? And what was that like? So I've always, I mean, I'm comfortable in front of the camera and I love being able to, you know, talk to people. I love meeting new people. And so I've done a little bit of kind of broadcasting in the past, but it's been very minimal. Um, like maybe like a special guest at like regionals, I think last year, 2018 and possibly 2017, I did a little bit of kind of play by play, um, with Chase Ingram and Bill Grumler at the regional events in California. And so I enjoyed that. Obviously it was a very small segment, but I've always had an interest in possibly expanding it. And so I've been in talks, you know, doing kind of the commentary with rogue, um, with obviously had Josh there as well. And then Sean Woodland, the infamous Sean Woodland, which is obviously amazing to see how he does it. So it gives me an inspiration of kind of what, what I want to work towards. But, um, it was, it was incredible to obviously be there, not only 
doing some of the commentary, but also the backstage and interviewing some of the athletes. I knew a little bit about Strongman, but then going into that weekend, you know, researching and learning more, being actually to see them compete. And I've seen them a little bit at previous years at the Arnold in Columbus. So it was a whole obviously different aspect, but it was amazing. And I, I loved it. I really loved it. We cover a lot of strongman, strongman news, analysis, training tips at Barbend. Uh, we've had multiple mm-hmm. strongman athletes on the podcast. What, if anything sticks out in your mind, surprised you most about that competition and about the sport as you were researching it for this broadcasting role? I think, I mean, it's tough to just pinpoint it to one thing, but there was a lot of obviously the history of what they've done. I noticed a lot of the athletes that I were looking at, they had a good amount of experience, years experience at such a young age. So whether that was in a small scale competition, strongman, some of them did powerlifting before um, and being able to kind of see the different backgrounds that they had coming into the sport, obviously it was kind of a build upon, but they were, whether they were known locally or country-wise to see them come from all different backgrounds and obviously compete on a stage and just the feats of strength obviously that they did was incredible and I mean watching them deadlift the 775 pounds which is one of the events max reps in 60 seconds I was like they made it look like a hot knife through butter it's like I I wouldn't be able to feel to pick that up so just being able to research them and see kind of their background and where they're at where they were and where they're at now it's like man they put in a lot of hard work and I think that like you said earlier, in terms of different sports, you can transfer that skill set, but also you see the different sports that you might look at in terms of competitors and athletes. But the amount of work and time and dedication and sacrifice that goes into it, like props to them and props to anyone out there that is focusing on doing that. Are there any other, I'll just say sports in general, I was going to say strength sports, but any other sports in general that you'd be interested in doing some broadcasting or media work on that maybe you haven't had a chance to? Um, that's a great question. I think, I mean, obviously I've done a little bit of CrossFit. That was my first experience in terms of strongman. I'd love to do more of that. Um, I obviously, it was my first time. And so learning a lot and I want to improve when I want to be able to go out there and do a great job, not just for myself and being able to perform and execute well, but also make sure I give justice to the athletes and individuals out there on the competi- competition floor. Cause it's like, they're putting all the hard work behind and now they're showcasing it. And that's a small piece. It's just like you see like an iceberg. So in terms of other sports, I mean, I'm always open to anything else. It'd be obviously, I would definitely need to know a little bit more about it. Golf would be kind of cool. Cause I have like that experience and background a little bit. Um, so maybe that's like the next lateral jump that I do in the future. We'll see. Well, when, when we see you calling Monday night football with Tony Romo in three years, <laughs> Like that's I'm I'm calling it I'm calling it right now because it seems like it seems like these opportunities I mean, present themselves to you and you just kind of step through the yeah, door. Definitely, and it's it's funny that you say that because obviously I'm a Cowboys fan mainly by default. My husband's a Cowboys fan, but he we watch a good amount of football together, and and that would be great. But I for sure would need to like make sure I'm like up to the plate, ready to go. And I mean, especially next to Tony Romo, like, holy crap. I mean, he said, he set a new standard <laughs> for, color, for color sports, color, com- like I do a lot of weightlifting color commentary and listening to Tony yeah. Romo do football color commentary has made me better at calling weightlifting. That's how like, oh. good he is and how precise he is. It's amazing. And there's so many details that you might not think about, but for an individual that's actually been in that sport or gone to that, the game or multiple games or whatever in terms of that position, like you're able to give an insight that maybe other people haven't, which again, it allows you, like you said, you become a better commentator or more insightful to how you do your reporting or your commentating. 
Uh, to change tack a little bit here, your relationship uh, with the CrossFit community is one that's definitely multifaceted <clears throat> as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, as a, as a broadcaster, uh, as a team athlete as well. And in you know early 2019, um, this certainly got a lot of press. It's certainly something we covered on Barbend. Um, you know, you you wrote a letter uh, to a lot of your followers about why you weren't doing the open or why you were changing your competition approach to CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I know there are certain things you you can't necessarily talk about, but I do want to yeah. ask, you know, what was the reception like from the general community after you wrote about not doing the open in 2019? A lot of people were supportive. Um, my biggest message was to just share people like what journey I was on, where I'm going, where I'm focusing more time and my attention. I was spending less time in the gym, less time, you know, going to compete. And so my focus was to give back to the community another facet, which is coaching. And I, I, I love coaching because for me, it's a, an ability to help others with their fitness goals or just life goals in general. And so majority of people in the community were very supportive and understanding. And obviously my point was just to say, Hey, like, this is my path. This is my journey. This is what I'm doing. You know, you know, do whatever is best for you. Cause we're all on our own path. Sometimes they intermix. Sometimes they are parallel to one another. Other times they may not even cross. And so it was obviously amazing to have the support. The community has been for me, the biggest thing. And that was one of the things that drew me into CrossFit. Like, yes, you have the physical, emotional you versus you component when you're working out or competing or whatever it is in the gym thrown down with other people in the class, but the community and the, su- the support and camaraderie from everyone was something that drew me in. I was like, man, like I've never had this before, like going to the gym, having my headphones in, just focusing on my workout. I still love that from time to time, but the community was just like uplifting. And it's like, man, like no matter what you're doing, whether you're RXing it or you're scaling it, or you're not even doing any load, like people are there supporting you. And that was by far the most thing that, that pulled me in. And it was amazing to you know have that support as I was changing directions in my career and life. We, we see that a lot when it comes to like, say the, everyone's been the newbie in a CrossFit class struggling through that workout or, or everyone's gone for that PR in front of their fellow CrossFitters and in front of the class and everyone's supporting them. And we think of that, I've often thought of that, I should say, as, it's almost like a trickle down, like the, the elite athletes, the people who finish the workout first are supporting the people still struggling through and finishing a little later in class. But it goes the other direction, I think. And I think that your example illustrates it going the other direction. People who might not be CrossFit Games level athletes, who might be you know just working out to get a little bit fitter, sending that support back up to the elite athletes. And I can't think of too, too many examples of like that, uh, examples of that, um, but you Yours is certainly one that that definitely comes to mind. So I uh, appreciate you appreciate you sharing. Well, that. thank thank you. I, it means a lot. And I think and I think you you think of the you know competition the level of athletes out there. And obviously, it's an amazing feats of strength or amazing things to watch and be a part of. But it's like all of us in terms of the competition, we wouldn't be here without the community. We wouldn't be where we're at without the support, whether that's a close knit community of your friends and family or the community of your gym or the community, of your hometown, your country, continent, whatever it might be. And so I, I think the biggest thing, you know, is giving back to other people that have given to you. You think of like that kind of full circle or karma. I think it's really important. And that's something that I've always instilled, you know, way before CrossFit and just life in general. And so to be able to see and be a part of something that's, obviously a bigger momentum or bigger movement than other people might, might see. It's really cool. I'm obviously grateful, very grateful for it. 
of your many talents and occupations and, and hustles, we'll call them, we'll call them hustles. Cause that's what everyone does on podcast, right? Everyone talks about, I know, right? everyone talks about the hustle, what, the, side hustle. the side hustle, the side hustle that becomes your day, maybe the side hustle that becomes your day job. An example of that might exactly. be the wine industry, which is something yeah. that I think you're unique among high level CrossFit athletes when it comes to very much being active in, in the wine scene. Um, and I, what is, what is, is there a special term for like a wine entrepreneur? Is there like, is there a special term for that? Yeah. I mean, they have like the winemaker, I would say, you know, like small business owner. Um, cause obviously there's the winemaking, which is a big part of it. You have like the behind the scenes, crushing the grapes, distilling them, pressing them, doing all the bottling, racking, all that, which is a big part of it. But then also the other aspect of it is, you know, being able to sell and market and advertise and brand your company and your message. And when I first got into it, I love, I love the parallel between fitness, any fitness and winemaking. Like you see wine and it takes a process, right? You can't just like crush the stem bottle everything and have it ready to go at the end of the year. Some varietals and wines are quicker than others. Others take a longer process, but it takes a while. You, you anywhere from like 12 to 18 months to barrel. And then you got to let, let it sit in the, in the bottles and then eventually drink it and enjoy it. That might be a year and a half to two years. Crap. Even maybe like five years later, but you think of fitness too, like, okay, I'm going to snatch 200 pounds. It's like, you don't just walk in there, load 200 pounds on, you know, you obviously have a process of it, but I think those two mirror really mirror each other really well. And so I think being able to, you know, see that process and say, Hey, like I have the, the whole background of it, but then also have like the sales and marketing. So I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there, but it's like, it's a whole kind of two pieces or two faces to the card where it's like, it's a lot about the business, but also the passion behind it and all the intricacies that go into it. I think that this, the stereotype of CrossFitters, maybe from the outside, is that they're they're super Type A. They're super intense. They work out all the time. They watch everything they eat. They don't consume alcohol. That's clearly not the case for every CrossFitter. And and for some people, I, I think there's a weird juxtaposition between someone who's so into fitness and known for being so elite in sports, but also making, selling, marketing, and most likely enjoying wine. So oh, definitely. <laughs> where, where is that balance and, and how has that balance developed for you? Because, you know, being at a, a high level, being a high level athlete, like alcohol isn't necessarily conducive at a high volume mm-hmm. to, to performance. It can impact recovery. How do you personally balance that? And how have you learned to find that balance? So obviously, I mean, you think of playing around, everyone has a different balance level, but I mean, my whole philosophy is you work hard, wind down. So you work hard in the gym, career, life, whatever it is, family, at the end of the day, you enjoy a glass or a bottle, depending on the type of day it was to relax and unwind. And so I found along the way, you know, like a glass to two glasses is something that I enjoy. I feel good. I don't feel tired the next day so I could get up and train. If I start to have three or four glasses, that's sort of like, maybe I feel a little tired. If it's my rest day the next day, then I might indulge in another extra glass or two, but in terms of the training and, you know, balancing the work and balancing the training in terms of the gym, then also like everything I need to do with the business, you know, I know myself and I know my body. And when I tell people out there like, Hey, you know, you know, your body best go off of what's best for you. And obviously there are all people talk about the health benefits of wine. That's not necessarily that we're promoting. We're going out there and say, Hey, you know, you should drink this or you should drink that. Obviously like, you know, some of the ingredients like the polyphenols that you find in the grape skins, they, they've shown to have promoting health benefits as red wine white wine is obviously a little different. And so again, whether you drink wine or don't drink wine for personal 
you know, religious or whatever you want, no forcing, but it's like, Hey, just find something you like to allow yourself to relax in the day, enjoy the process. And for me, that was a glass or two of wine. And so being able to share that with people, it's like, Hey, this is what works best for me. Find what works best for you. If you like wine, cool. Let's make a toast and cheers to that. Your, as your athletic career has evolved, I'm sure your approach to recovery has also evolved. And, and you're probably, I mean, are you training at the same volume you were a couple of years ago? How does your volume of training now compare on a weekly basis to what it was maybe in like 2016? Yeah, it's definitely different. I was training, I mean, leading up until this past year, I was training probably six to seven, maybe eight hours a day in the gym. Obviously, we'd take breaks or I would split it up into two sessions or just do it all straight through. The level and the volume of competition was a lot higher. Last year, from 2018 into 2019, it started to be a little bit less, was focusing more on the business. Um, and then, you know, still hitting the gym, probably getting maybe three to four hours in the gym, which is still a good amount of hours. Uh, and this past year has been a little bit less, you know, traveling more, doing more events, maybe one to two class, maybe one to two hours, maybe three, depending on what I had. Um, most recently I've been being more consistent with classes at the, a local gym here, which has been great because I love the community. I get a workout in lifting or whatever it might be. Then I might stay after and do a little, an extra workout or some accessory work. And so right now it's probably like two to three hours. Um, which might be more than a regular class, but it allows me to connect with the community, get in some extra work. And obviously as th- like things change throughout the year, then my, my training time will change. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the other, you know, how's your approach to, to recovery changed and, and what are some of the mechanisms or tactics or, you know, call it whatever that you have started to prioritize when it comes to your recovery? Uh, so recovery, I've noticed the biggest thing that uh, affects me is sleep or lack of sleep. And so when I was training a lot of like full time, a lot of it was like, you know, I need to make sure I'm getting at least eight to nine, maybe nine and a half hours of sleep. That's what I found best for me. Um, so making a priority for sleep was really important. Um, recovery, making sure also I'm eating enough food. So obviously everyone has different nutrition plans, but making sure that I'm being able to not only recover, let my body relax, but also rehydrate or refuel for the next day of training. Um, and I think a lot of people now are becoming more aware of it. I think early back in, the, I want to say early days, early days of CrossFit, it wasn't so much as an importance where it is now. And I think a lot more people are aware of it within the CrossFit realm. Um, obviously, once you step out of a gym and you step out of that CrossFit community, you see you know people that maybe don't make an effort on it or aren't as focused on it. And so obviously that's a whole nother topic and, you know, tangent we can go on. But, um, I would say the biggest thing that I'm focusing on is sleep and then just, you know, making sure I'm refueling well, for myself. You're in the legends division at the rogue invitational. So you're allowed to say in the old days, I think that's <laughs> in, exactly in the old days. That's I, I think so that's, funny. I think that's the official, once you're a legend, you can refer to it. You could say like back in my day, which is like, exactly. which is just, back in the grassroots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back before you back, you know, you kids don't get it these days. Well, exactly. I say you kids don't get it, but a lot of the competitors in the CrossFit space right now, I mean, you have teenagers who are competing in the open division and having a lot of success with it. So yes, definitely a hundred percent. And it's funny you say that because um, I think uh, we were just talking about this today at class and it's like, there are a lot of younger athletes coming up and, you know, maybe they started at a CrossFit gym or box when they were like nine, 10 or 11. And so now they're getting to the point where like they can't enter that team division, but they've been CrossFitting for four to five years and their forms impe- impeccable, um, their body and like the mobility and like, they may not be having any issues where like, you know, maybe they've been sitting for 10, 20 years at a desk working on a computer. And so they haven't got to that. So they don't have those issues. And so I think, well, as we kind of go along, we'll see younger and younger individuals 
that are, you know, have great capacity and are really strong. But again, we'll see how things evolve. But I think that's where we're kind of going. I will also say that looking back at my younger self, not that I ever hit anywhere near the level in any sport that that uh, that you're existing at, but recovery is a superpower when you're younger. It's just it's something oh, you take 100%. for granted. Definitely. I believe I, I think as, I mean, like you said, like it's spot on, like you have it as you're younger, not that you don't have it when you're older, but you have to obviously make it a priority. But when you're younger, I think your body can bounce back, um, from like lack of sleep or you're not eating enough. And I remember like when I right kind of right before I found CrossFit as I was starting it, some nights I'd get like four hours of sleep and I'd be up at like four 30 to do the five o'clock class before I like cleaned up and got ready to go to my marketing job. And it was like, man, like now I'm like four hours of sleep. No way. There's no way I could do that. Not now. It's in the, as, as we age, we learn a lot and we, we try and balance the, the increase in knowledge with maybe the decrease in just like that natural recovery ability. It's always a fun fight. Exactly. Well, I say fun fight. It's a fight. Certainly. Yes, I 100% agree. And I think, uh, and it's funny, as I say, as we get older, you realize like what's a priority or what you want to put more time and energy towards, um, which is really important. But I think you have to go through that, obviously, to get that experience. Well, that's certainly something that you've been on a journey of, of discovering and balancing both your business self and your athletic self. And sometimes the two cross paths. So that's very cool yeah. to see. Well, Marco, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Where are the best places for people to keep up to date with what you're doing, both in inside the fitness community and uh, even beyond that? So I would say the best places would be Instagram, which is my 321GoGAUX handle. We also have the Goat Wine uh, on Instagram. We also have the Goat Wine website, which is thegoatwine.com. And something we've been focusing more on now in terms of the fitness coaching is our YouTube channel. Uh, We started, this was I think January 2nd, started doing fitness videos and fitness workouts for those maybe too timid to go to the gym or don't have the time, they're traveling essentially give them a platform so they get their fitness in. So those are probably the best places, website, Instagram, and then YouTube. Awesome. Well, Margo, thanks so much for joining us. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited to hear um, some of the developments for you later this year, including a few you clearly can't talk about now. So we're waiting with bated breath. Uh, We'll have to, we'll have to circle back up and see how those turn out. So best of luck in those endeavors. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. 